Welcome, welcome, welcome to the live stream edition of Mayflower Church. Here at Mayflower, we believe that faith is a journey, God is good, Jesus saves, and the Spirit leads us toward faith, hope, and love as we honor the dignity of all God's children. It is a joy and an honor to be on this faith journey with all of you, wherever you are this morning. Although we're not in the sanctuary space together, we are certainly together in spirit. We are kicking off our fall season at Mayflower with a series titled Interim Journey of Hope, Pentecost. And we are focusing on the life of Jesus as documented in the book of Matthew. The series title has the word interim in it because, of course, we are in an interim leadership season. I am happy to announce that the pastoral search committee has been established and they are planning to begin the search. Please direct any questions or suggestions to Ginger Young, and the committee plans to give you timely updates on the whole process. I am the Reverend Ruth Bell Olson, and along with Reverend Dr. Jonathan White, we are your interim pastoral team. Today, leading in worship, we are joined by Dr. Julia Brown, our music director, and the Burkhart family. We are thrilled to be here and are looking forward with great anticipation to what God has in store for us this fall and beyond. Please note that even though the church building is closed, Mayflower is a very busy place. Midweek began this past Wednesday. Oodles of families participated in the launch of our distanced yet together weekly programming. And yesterday, we joined with our brothers and sisters from Sudanese Grace and hosted a car wash. It was extremely wet and successful. <laughs> We're fundraise, helping them fundraise for a playground for their new property. And today, something very special is happening right after our service. We'll be having our first ever outdoor confirmation service. We had a great class of confirmands go through the process this past winter. And the service we had planned to honor them was scheduled for March 15. Unfortunately, we had to postpone the ceremony. But we've been wanting to recognize these incredible young people and their commitment to God. So today we will have a distanced, sanitized, and holy service on the front steps. You're welcome to watch it live on our Mayflower Church Facebook page, or, of course, that will be a recording of the confirmation that you can find on our website later this week. Speaking of youth, tonight is the launch of Elevate. So middle schoolers and high schoolers get ready to have fun tonight with our outdoor youth group beginning at 6. We also have several Bible studies resuming this week. And they're outside. Our portico, our parking lot, and our prayer garden have never seen such traffic. But finally, on a more tragic note... We continue to mourn the losses in the Curry family and the Rupert family. So please keep the Currys and the Ruperts in prayer as we silently ask for God's blessing. Amen. Now let us approach the holy with our call to worship. Bless the Lord who fills our souls. Bless the Lord's holy name. We will not forget the Lord's benefits, the one who forgives our iniquities and heals our diseases. Our lives have been redeemed from the pit 
We are now crowned with steadfast love and mercy. We are satisfied with good as long as we live. Our youth is renewed like the eagles. So come, let us worship the God of blessing. Let us join our hearts together for our opening prayer. Holy One, maker of heaven and earth, we rejoice in the coming of fall, the season of renewal and planning. Come with us as we launch this church season. Help us to follow your direction for us and to be open to your leading. Energize us for the learning and serving and blessing to come. Amen. Oh, be 
Our first scripture reading this morning is Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He forgives all your sins and heals all your infirmities. He redeems your life from the grave and crowns you with mercy and loving kindness. He satisfies you with good things, and your youth is renewed like an eagle's. The Lord executes righteousness and judgment for all who are oppressed. He made his ways known to Moses and his works to the children of Israel. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy, slow to anger and of great kindness. He will not always accuse us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our wickedness. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so is his mercy great upon those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sins from us. As a father cares for his children, So does the Lord care for those who fear him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second scripture reading this morning can be found in the book of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. Peter came and said to Jesus, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, seventy-seven times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children and all his possessions, 
and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed. And they went out and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Amen. Dr. Sherwood S. Cordier taught in the history department at Western Michigan University for 34 years. He was an award-winning teacher, an accomplished author, a scholar, and a gentleman. He majored in history at Yale University as an undergraduate and completed his Ph.D. at the University of Minnesota in modern European history. Woody was on the faculty at Western Michigan University, and officially, as professor of history, he was a specialist in modern Europe. But, like every other cadet in ROTC at Western, we knew him as a military historian. And as I total up the total number of classes that I took from Woody, I think between my undergraduate and first graduate experience, I had about 54 hours in Woody Cordier military history. He taught me how to be a professor. Almost everything I did in my 36-year career at Grand Valley, I modeled after Dr. Cordier. Dr. Cordier had a talent. On a warm spring afternoon in Kalamazoo, you could be seated in a classroom and he could take you to the frozen fields of Poland in 1807 as the remnants of the Prussian army and the Russian army met Napoleon on the frozen snowy plains of Elal. 
by the time he finished with his lecture, we were sitting in our chairs, shivering in the snow. There was a magic about his lectures. He could transport you virtually anywhere in history. One of the stories that I recall vividly was at a history conference in France. In a breakout panel, Woody was presenting a paper on the 1945 firebombing of Dresden by U.S. and United Kingdom Air Forces. If you're not familiar with Dresden, in February 1945, Dresden was an open city. There was no military value whatsoever. The only people who were there of military significance were POWs and wounded German soldiers. The city was lit up like a Christmas tree. While Europe was blacked out, not Dresden, it was an open city, not a military target. And one night in February, a thousand Allied bombers with incendiary bombs flew over Dresden and dropped their bombs in one spot. A firestorm grew on those civilians. Tens upon tens of thousands of people were killed in the inferno. As Woody described the action of British General Bobber Harris and American General Curtis LeMay, he condemned them and said this was an act of a, a criminal act. It was not an act of war. The paper was well received. Woody went outside and he met a French professor with whom he was friends. And they started talking. And like academics sometimes do at academic conferences, they decided to skip the next session and got a couple of bikes and rode outside the small city where the conference was being held. They rode along a country road. And the French professor said, Woody, come over here. I want to show you something. And they came to a field. The French professor pointed and said, Woody, look over there. What do you see? Woody said, well, that looks like the remains of a building. The French professor said, that's right, Woody. That's the remains of a building. The building was a church. There used to be a village by this church. There's no longer a village. During the war, the SS rounded up every person in this village. They took them to the church, they nailed the doors shut, and they set it on fire. Anybody who tried to get out, they shot. Woody, you said that Dresden was a crime. The Allies should have done 
what they did to Dresden in every city in Germany. Woody thought for a moment, and as he flew back to the United States, he realized he could afford to be moral. Safely ensconced in Sangren Hall in Kalamazoo, the threats to Woody were from books and maps, stories of sad places far away and long ago. It's easy to afford to be moral. It's much more difficult when we're close. It's easy to say, we forgive you when we're far away. It's difficult to say when it touches our heart. In intro to criminal justice classes at Grand Valley State, as we reviewed the Constitution, I would ask students who here believes in the First Amendment. To refresh your memories, if you're not a lawyer, the First Amendment guarantees freedom of press, freedom of religion, freedom of assembly, and very importantly, freedom of speech. Who here believes in it? Oh, Dr. John, I believe in it. I would look at students and say, no, you don't. Yes, I believe everybody has a right to speak. No, you don't. I certainly do. That's one of the reasons I'm here. No, you don't. You believe that people have freedom to speak when you don't care about the subject. You believe that people have freedom to speak when a speaker you vehemently disagree with will have no impact on anything that's about to happen. You believe in freedom of speech when you agree with what the speakers say. But when someone touches a nerve inside you, when someone touches the deepest emotion, when someone touches your core and they attack it, you no longer believe in freedom of speech. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who trespass against us. I do that all the time. I raised in one church where we said trespasses, go to another church where we say debts and debtors. I'm a confused guy. But when it touches our core, when it touches our very soul, It's hard to forgive. 
Our psalmist this morning talks about forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, for not counting my sins against me. Thank you for your unconditional grace. Thank you for accepting me the way I am. Thank you for giving me the strength of an eagle so I can soar to you. Thank you, Lord, for your generous forgiveness. Many other psalms approach forgiveness another way. Thank you, Lord, for giving me. But for my enemies, let them die of thirst. For my enemies, let them feel your arrows. For my enemies, bring your wrath. And Jesus said, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. There's some hard commandments in the Bible. Mary's Magnificat. Oh, we're so happy when she says, My soul magnifies the Lord. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. But then she says, God has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted the lowly. God has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. Ooh, that's tough at Mayflower. Not so tough in a lot of churches, but it's tough in our church. And so, uh, so is God, we want you to forgive us just the way we forgave and forgive others. The people who have wronged us in our core, that's the way we want you to forgive us. That's a tough commandment. Reminds me of a short story by Mark Twain called The War Prayer. A country, presumably the United States, is going to war and there's a church, presumably a Protestant church, where they're playing militant hymns and the pastor gives the prayer as the troops are about to go away saying, please bring victory to our troops. Please bring them back in glory. Let their mothers rejoice at their return and their children hug them when they come back to our shores. Amen. And as he finished the prayer, at the back of the church, there stood a man in a white robe 
with long white hair and a long white beard. He said, I came from heaven to tell you that God heard your prayer. And God also heard this. Let our enemies cower in fear. Let them starve and die. Let their children be riddled with bullets and lay in the field. Let their soldiers be massacred. Let their mothers weep. That is the part of the prayer that you did not pray. Of course, with Mark Twain's wit, he said the church did the obvious. They thought the man was crazy, and they locked him up. The problem is, there's a hard commandment. And Matthew's trying to get something across to us. He uses Peter. Matthew frequently uses Peter in his literary efforts to convey the meaning of Jesus. He uses Peter almost proudly to go to Jesus Hey, Jesus, you've told us to forgive people. I got it. I'm on your side. I don't want to be Satan standing beside you. I want to be the rock on which your church is built. So when someone sins against me, when someone touches that core, I'm supposed to forgive them seven times, right? Matthew's Jesus says, no. Seven times 70. That's not an accident. That's not, okay, keep track, 490 times. No, that's not what it means at all. When you hit the number 3, 4, 7, or 12 in Jewish, Christian, or Islamic literature, Rosemary Ruther says, hang on to your hats. Because what's coming next is God talk. Seven times seventy. Listen to this, Peter. There was a slave who owed his owner. And his owner was fed up with him and decided to lock him up. And the slave begged, no, please forgive me. Unconditional forgiveness. I'll do better. The owner said, okay. And as he goes out, he encounters the slave who owes him money. The slave who says, no, please forgive me. I'll do the best I can. I'll get it back to you. No, you're not forgiven. Lock him up. Jesus is telling us something, something so obvious. It is Difficult to follow this path that we call the way. It is difficult to be a Christian. It is frightening to pray, forgive us just the same way we forgive. 
Does that mean we have to be perfect? No, we're not. Does that mean we're going to make mistakes? Yes, we will. Does that mean we quit trying? No, we don't. Does that mean we walk the path? Yes, it does. Matthew is trying to get the point of cross. We are called to a higher way. Seven times seventy indeed leads to God talk. Yes, we can afford to be moral. But when it touches our core, when it reaches in and grabs our hearts, that's when we're called to follow Jesus. That's when we're called to be followers of the way. Not so easy being a Christian, is it? In the name of God the Creator, God the Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. God, how can we forgive? As I was looking for hymns to go with Jonathan's sermon today, These words kept coming back to me. I could have picked something out of our hymnal, but these words kept nagging at my heart. This is a text written by Ruth Duck, one of the great hymn writers and theologians alive today. And this text conveys the anguish of both the need to be forgiven and the need to forgive. The first stanza contrasts the flexibility, the fallibility of human love with the unconditional love of God for humanity. God's love is strong enough to carry us through when all other hope is gone. The singer boldly states that because of God's grace, we do not play the judge. In the last line of the hymn, singers implore God to forgive their sins and to give them the ability to forgive others. This will be our closing hymn. But before we arrive in that moment of the service, we will hear, Awake my heart. These are words by Isaac Watts with a clever musical setting which invokes the text, talks about eternal round, and um, the composer, James Clements, writes a round that evokes the sacred heart 
the Sacred Harp, early American music. And we have the Burkhart family here today, five out of the six. You've seen most of them. Have you seen? Yeah, you've seen all of them already. And um, today would have been our kickoff Sunday of the fall. This place would have been full. We would have started Sunday school, having lots of kids and families and great energy and a barbecue and lots of social time and we especially miss all of you today and because of that I I'm I was looking for a family and the Burkharts are here representing each one of you launching the fall season with the title of interim can feel like we're in a giant pause. But in fact, we are not. We are moving forward with creativity, passion, and purpose. We need all of you as partners on this journey. We need to be the community we know God has ordained us to be. As you consider giving to Mayflower, please remember that your gifts keep our ministry going. Your gifts, as acts of worship, bring heaven to earth. You are welcome to worship through giving in several ways. You can text give right on your phone to the number 616-344-6255. You can click on the donate button on our website. You can mail a gift or drop one in the locked box under the portico. Your participation and generosity are truly a blessing, and we thank you. Repeat the joyful sound. 
And now, precious Lord, who is all-knowing and all-seeing, we lay before you our gifts, tithes, and offerings, as well as the hearts who gave them. Use us and our resources to be a blessing. May your honor and glory be magnified by our generosity. Amen. Now is the time in our worship service when we quiet our anxious bodies and minds and settle into a space of corporate prayer. There's so much to pray about, and this can feel overwhelming. But where else can we go with our joys and burdens but to God? So let us pray. Holy One, Prince of Peace, Thank you for a Sunday to launch. Thank you for seasons and rhythms and planning and purpose. Thank you for this congregation and the legacy of this church. In this interim season, please be with us as we honor this legacy and look to the future. Help us to have a vision for how Mayflower can bring the kingdom of heaven to earth here in Grand Rapids and beyond. Help us to not be bound to the past or immovable when you have somewhere for us to go. Lord, bless the church council and the pastoral search committee. They are tasked with the holy work of leading Mayflower. Give them divine wisdom, clarity, and unity. Grant all of us, please, a spirit of peace, hope, and joy 
Let us look forward to the future with great anticipation of what you have in store for us. Unite us and grow us in our love for this church, our love for each other, and our love for the world. In the silence, Prince of Peace, hear our prayers. one, God of love, we have been challenged this morning with how to forgive. Our human tendency when wronged is to seek retribution, revenge, to lay claim to emotions and responses that do not honor you. Make us different. Shape us into people for whom seven times 70 is our first response. Help us to be the kind of people in the world that are known for our love, our compassion, and our peacemaking. This world is so full of vitriol, conflict, turbulence, and strife. We see this on a global scale, a national scale, a community scale, and sometimes even in our own families and friendships. We understand, based on your holy scripture, that all humanity is created in your image, Please help us to live this truth. Help us to see you in every person we encounter. Bring us together, Lord, not farther apart. And this morning we pray for those on the West Coast surrounded by fire. Lord, we pray for rain. We pray for those fighting the fires and those who have been evacuated. Be with them in this time. We also lift up to you the Curry family and the Rupert family as they grieve the loss of precious loved ones. Be with them now, comfort them, and bring them your divine peace. And Lord, we all pray that our hearts will constantly be shaped by your amazing love and grace. In the silence, God of love, hear our prayers.
Holy One, our source of hope and unity, we pray with full hearts and a renewed understanding of what it means to put our prayers into practice. Please, as we pray this prayer that Jesus taught his followers, remind us that these are not just hollow words. This prayer is a directive for our lives, a path forward as we grow in our faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Sometimes it's a difficult path, isn't it? You think of that time, 
when someone hurts you so badly, you just say, I don't have it in me. Well, remember this. The God of the psalm we heard today says, I can. So come, rest in that God. Whether you're on top of the world or the world is on top of you, it's a God of love, a God of peace, and a God of forgiveness who can do more than we can possibly think dream or believe in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen